You're listening to 1001 Album Club, where each episode we discuss a different album from Robert Demery's book, 1001 Albums You Must Hear Before You Die. This episode we'll be talking about the talking heads, fear of music. On the line I have Rob. Ahoy hoy. Ben. Hello. Sean. Hi. And Kyle. Hi there. Fear of Music is the third studio album by the American rock band Talking Heads, released on August 3rd, 1979, and Sire Records. The producer was Brian Eno and the Talking Heads, and the genre is New Wave and Psychedelic Funk. I'm gonna read from the book Theonis Bates. With Fear of Music, Talking Heads drilled deep into a seam of paranoia that their first two albums had only scraped at. Talking Heads 77 and more songs about buildings and food were offbeat slices of pop that deconstructed life in culture light America. On Fear of Music, David Byrne turned his withering gaze inward and dissected his own anxiety-ridden mind. This cutting self-analysis is backed by a bleaker, denser sound, tracks such as Animals, and mine build up an atmosphere of menace. Brian Eno's hyper-focused production adds to the sense of foreboding. The former Roxy Music star, who had also produced more songs, piled strange sonic sonic effects into Fear of Music. It marked a departure from the the live-in-the-studio sound of the group's first two albums. Riffs were stretched and fragmented on electric guitar, ghostly backing vocals provided by bassist Tina Weymouth's sisters uh, float in and out of air and Burns' vision of mental breakdown on memories can wait are loaded with distortion and waves of echo. The band's journey to the dark side confused many British fans, but critics and record buyers on the other side of the Atlantic love the album's experimental sounds. A legendary music hack, Lester Bangs, declared it the, quote, best Heads album yet, and Fear of Music charted at number 22 on the Billboard 100, higher than any previous Talking Heads record. All right, what do we think of Talking Heads, Fear of Music? Best Talking Heads record? England didn't like this record? I was surprised by that because it says it reached number 29, but in the States it reached number 21. So they liked it fine, just, I guess, not as much. This is a good record. Very good record. Yeah. Is this anyone else's favorite Talking Heads record? It might be mine. I go back and it's forth. Tough. Yeah. Between this and yeah. what, Birch? Uh, Remain in the Light. Mm. But this one seems to be winning more often. <laughs> yeah. And when I was younger in my 20s and getting into Talking Heads, I liked their first two. And I d- it's not that I disliked. Uh, these like late 70s early 80s ones 
but I don't know. I, I, I at the time I wasn't along for the ride with them in their foray into like Afro funk and world music. Now, as a grown ass man, I am one hundred percent here for for this direction that this band has taken. I think it's really cool. Yeah, the Eno production on this album, the sonically sparse, dark disco that is is created here with some yeah world music influences is striking and you can hear that you know on songs like memories can't wait that song is just like a lush push of like sonic that that sounds completely different from a lot of stuff that the talking heads were doing at that time it almost sounds like metal yeah yeah it just it has almost like a like a dream wave uh sort of it's kind of psychedelic yeah yeah yeah, like it made me think of like like that song specifically. Like actually, in my notes, I had that it was very Eno, um, but also like it made me think of bands like um, like Black Angels. Sure, you know, mm-hmm. I can imagine like them hearing that and just you know being like, oh, this is my shit. Um, yeah, I mean, as a as a small child, I was a big Talking Heads fan. Like when I was like four and five years old, I was really into the Talking Heads. <laughs> and you know, like what when you're your a kid, song you, when you're four and five, <laughs> um, it's that Up All Night song. Um, nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, like, you know, when you're a kid and like, you don't have a firm grasp on reality cause you're stupid. Um, in my mind, the talking heads were basically like these like pink California raisins. Like I just imagine this band of like these like head, literal talking heads with little feet. <laughs> um, yeah. So it's like, whenever I listen to them, which is a lot, you know, in my adult and even, you know, teenage life, I, a part of me still kind of goes back to like that weird zone where you're not really sure what's going on, but you love it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. They have that mystique. Yeah. They capture your imagination big time. Yeah. I can imagine. I mean, it's, it does have a bit of Pee Wee's Playhouse, mm-hmm. like, I don't know what you want to say. Mystique, magic. Yeah. Todd Rundgren? Todd Rundgren. Yeah. If I had to listen to Todd Rundgren as a kid, man, that would have blown my mind. So, <laughs> also, it's very danceable. I mean, Talking Heads always have that sort of pop, upbeat, rhythm that they're going for and this this album might stick with me more because of the of stop making sense i mean they play a majority mm-hmm. of these songs on in that uh film well this a lot of stuff on this remind me of um lizzie mercier de clue who was recording press color like around the same time in 79 like the same spring she was making an album that sounded like a remarkably similar uh, si- similar like uh, influences to this record, like a lot of world music stuff and just very like sparse and jammy, but also like, um, to the point of like what you said from the book, like this, this is a really dystopian record. Mm -hmm. And I think listening to it like recently versus how I've heard it in the past, like it hits differently now that we're all going through so much isolation because it's definitely a record that has a lot of fear in it and a lot of just kind of like introspective and, uh, existential issues that are addressed. And I, I guess I didn't really pick up on that before listening to it during a pandemic, but it does feel different. Life during plague time. Yes, there you go. <laughs> yeah. What I never realized about this record, uh, the title Fear of Music, um, with there's a couple of, of exceptions, like Ezimbra and stuff, but um, the idea is you can substitute the song's titles into Fear of Music because um, kind of an unspoken theme of the album is like, uh, like fear of ordinary things, like irrational fears. Mm. Song air, fear of air, you know, mm-hmm. fear of life during wartime, fear of paper, fear of cities, fear of mind. Like, 
and you listen to air and it's just about being afraid of the air. Yeah. You know, and uh, this is another record where it's very dark. It's very dystopian. It's also very funny. Um, <laughs> like cities is cities is such an interesting song. I've always loved it. It makes me feel really optimistic. The lyrics are absurd. Um, Cause he just, you know, you think about where you want to move and he's just like, I got to pick a city. You know, it's like, that's not why you move. You move there because a job or family or, or, you know, just, you know, just look at a map. I don't know. I love, I read that, like, I know the band was feuding a lot at this point. And uh, David Byrne was kind of having some, some lyrical writing block, uh, writer's block uh, with a lot of these songs. But I love this record so much, especially the first, like, eight songs. Um, the last few are great, too. But, like just from song to song. I mean, you go from Judas Priest, you go from like Izimbra to mind, to paper, to cities, to like life during wartime, to memories can't wait. Memories can't wait. I found out that uh, In Living Color colored, uh, covered that song. Oh. Oh, cool. Like on their Cult of Personality record. And it's pretty fucking good. Yeah, I'm gonna check that out. Yeah, you strip away the Brian Eno stuff and they just kind of rock it in there on point. I did feel like Sid was kind of like a standard uh, talking head song, like to the point where like I, for some reason, well, I mean, I know there's a reason, but I thought about Fred Armisen when I was listening to it because like, I know that they did like the documentary now, like talking heads lampooning things. So there was that, but oh, I could yeah. imagine like Fred Armisen being like, Hey, let's write a talking head song. And it was like, to me, cities is the most like talking heads on the whole record. <laughs> uh, and also I think that that one actually, I wrote my notes uh, that it, it really speaks to the whole like isolation thing that we're doing right now where it's like, it doesn't really matter what city you end up in because it's a city, you know, just like pick one because right now we're all yeah. in the same exact experience in like every city in the world. And you slant on it for me. I like that this all ties back to David Burns wanting to be in the city and not wanting to be in the country that he's talked to about on other albums before, like a, like a, a, a in buildings and food. What was it? Last track, uh, oh, yeah, the, yeah, last track, the big country, where we're we uh, I don't know. He, he just he's. I like how how much of a city slicker David Byrne is. Yeah, yeah, self admitted. Yeah, he was living in Alphabet City, and from what I've read, like Alphabet City in the late seventies, you know, Manhattan was a pretty scary place. Uh, David Byrne got robbed. Did you guys hear about this? Mm-mm. Which time? Um, yeah, David Byrne, like, while around this time, got robbed at his place. Uh, somebody broke into his place, and he was, like, sleeping in the nude. So he saw this guy, and he didn't know what to do. So he, like, quietly put on his shirt and uh, some underwear and came out, and he's like, hey, can you get out of here? <laughs> and, and the guy saw, like, David Byrne was like, whatever, and grabbed, like, a, a letter opener and, like, held it up to him. David Burns like, all right, take whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I know that's dark. Nobody wants to be robbed, but like, I, I, I feel like that definitely feeds into a lot of these songs. There's a lot of fear, mm-hmm. um, but he's also he's being goofy about it because it's David Byrne. Um,
Callie, you were talking about, I hadn't heard that, about uh, the fear of music, like taking out the now and replacing it with any of the titles of the song here. Mm-hmm. That 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 made a lot of stuff fall into place for me, like conceptually on this record, because I'd already kind of noticed, you know, uh, with aside from a few songs like Ezimbra and Memories Can Wait, mm-hmm. like all, all of the song titles, they're just they're mundane, everyday things. But yeah, I hadn't put together the fear part yet, even though, you know, definitely I, I was hearing that in the songs, but I, I dig that. A lot, and I, I like even the, some of the more. <laughs> I, I really like the the paranoid narrator of uh, animals. Yeah. Just, <laughs> just, <laughs> I, 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 oh man, I'm I'm losing my words. <laughs> well, my- no, animals is what made me realize how contrarian this record is. Yeah, living on living on nuts and berries. Mm-hmm. They shit on the ground. They see in the dark. They think they're so smart. Yeah. They're living on nuts and berries. <laughs> <laughs> This rant that the narrator goes on about thinking animals are so high and mighty, but they ain't shit. I like it. <laughs> well, another thing that's all made me realize is that for how like timeless and like kind of how you can evolve the meaning of these songs, it's also like a snapshot of a time when New York City was actually interesting. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> man. Yeah. And yeah. now it's like if you want to live in New York City or have that ex- the New York City experience, you're not going to have what created this album. Yeah. Like, Absolutely. This yeah. Album. yeah. But I mean, overall, I think it's a really profound album. Like he, he, you know, he kind of stripped a lot of things back. Like the songs aren't, aren't about complicated topics. He's just, I mean, think about air, paper, cities, like heaven, animals. They're not, you know, it's not even like a, not, there are like no love songs in this album at all. Yeah. It's, yeah. To be around that. Right love songs. Sean, yeah, definitely heaven. Like isn't, achingly beautiful song but if you apply mm-hmm. fear of heaven you know heaven's a place where nothing really happens like yeah that's uh heartbreakingly sad you know right. um mm-hmm. but also just just so i don't know like such a, a melancholy i don't know i love this record so much i'm sorry guys uh what do you think Rob? this is the uh first uh time i've listened to this record yeah <laughs> I, I i i had never uh heard this thing uh back to backwards and forwards i had only and the only times i had heard the tracks uh that i knew was from the uh stop making sense songs to you rob and, and turn you off to this record <laughs> <laughs> no you, you, you ne- you're never saying uh talking heads at me uh i just don't think we are in the same space for you to to ruin me to talking heads um <laughs> Kyle, next time we're hanging out with Rob, let's just start shouting Ezimbra. Oh, please, at him. please don't. <laughs> do that. Oh, wait, speaking of Ezimbra, did you guys notice that in the credits, um, there's like that uh, Bongos is credited to Gene Wilder? And I looked I into that. I did not see that. Okay, it's not, it's not the Gene Wilder you're thinking of. It's some dude David Byrne met in a park. That was the Gene Wilder I was thinking of. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay, never mind. <laughs> didn't know you guys were <laughs> But yeah, there's that, a Gene Wilder credit. It's just a random guy. <laughs> is Eat Zimbra the awesome. only song that has Robert Fripp on it? Yes. I think so. I believe so. Mm-hmm. Oof. Uh, yeah, Robert Fripp appears again. He just comes out of the smoke. He's having a good year. Uh, yeah. 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 He's just yeah. always there. He just follows Brian Eno around and does <laughs> true. <laughs> That's true. It was probably Eno that, that got him there. 
Could be a lot worse. Uh, does anybody else think this might be a concept record? That was discussed in a, many reviews. I do. Some people do. Some people Especially don't. Especially after what Kyle was saying. Yeah. There's exceptions. And, and I, I feel like they don't want, maybe David Byrne didn't want that to like overshadow the record because, I mean, you think about, you know, late 70s, there are a lot of concept records coming out. Maybe he didn't want to be like the next, he wouldn't have this record, you know, held up next to the wall or, you know, something like that. But um, I, I, I think there's definitely a, at least tropes and themes, if not like this is a concept record, you know? Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, that's what I felt like too. It has it has elements that are running through it, which some could just say that's that's enough of a concept to be called a concept record. But yeah, it has a lot of the alienation, the sort of digging into your own mind and how you know David Byrne perceives different things in the world. It has some of my favorite lyrics too. I mean, Heaven is yeah. often one that's you know quoted. One of the best lines is "Everybody goes home at exactly the same time." So how good. beautiful! We're, we're listening to that song right now. How beautiful is this song? Yeah, it's amazing. It's a uh, uh, life during wartime, where he says, "I've changed my, you know, look so many times. I don't even remember who I am." Uh, yeah, there's just so many things. Uh, yeah, I mean, life during wartime is a good. Yeah, like he's just questioning everything, which because it's like. When you don't know what tomorrow looks like, you may as well just make yourself crazy. It makes sense. My take yeah, I don't on know. life during yeah, time. I, I, man, I, I've known this song for for years, but uh, today was the first day I actually like pulled up the lyrics and read along while I was listening to it. And my take on that is the narrator's like a bit of a revolutionary. It seems. You know, like they're loading the trucks up on the hillside to roll out, stay away from the window. They can see you. We dress like students. We dress like housewives. Like we get past the border check. And then like the thing, like I've changed my, I've I've lived in a brownstone. I've lived in a ghetto. I've lived all over this town. Like I've changed my hairstyle so many times. I don't know what I look like. There's some like revolutionary shit. I was thinking that like back then it was like almost like paranoid sounding, like somebody telling you like, don't look away from the impending chaos because it's coming. Like don't, don't think about partying and escaping. Like this is real. And back then it may have sounded crazier. And now we're living in a time where it's kind of the opposite where like everything is kind of terrible right now. Mm-hmm. And it almost feels weird to see someone having a good time, you know, like, <laughs> this life during wartime mm-hmm. character when we, you know, in the past it, that song may have read differently. I get angry when I see people having good times on the internet nowadays uh, oh absolutely. Those <laughs> yeah, heartless like, bastards my so introduction to life during wartime was the stop making sense concert film but my lasting memory connection of the song is probably every single prizzy prizzy please show <laughs> uh i know some of y'all that came up in bloomington know what i'm talking about they, they would play this that song uh, just yeah. about all their shows, and they they did kind of like the the stop making sense version. They were they're doing the the aerobic jogging in place through the whole thing. <laughs> nice, I loved it. Such a good uh, such a good song, and uh, multiple good live performances of that one. It's a barn burner. It is burner. Uh, I did want to bring up the the packaging of the album. Beautiful packaging. Uh, it's all black, and it has those diamond patterned tricks treads that you might see on i don't know uh you know manhole cover metal manhole cover for gripping 
it's really cool. It was, I think it was pretty expensive to make um, how it's embossed. But yeah, well worth it. It's like when you get it and you feel it tactile, it feels very tactile and it's, it is very striking. I remember when I picked it up for the first time and it feels like, I mean, just knowing the talking heads and then you feel that album and, and look at it, it's, it's dark. I mean, it's, yeah. it's completely black with that, just that it's, tread. It's so industrial. Yeah. Like it's, yeah. Yeah. I love it. I think I always found that cover intimidating when I was getting into talking heads. It it, yeah. it just, I was like, Oh, maybe I'll get into that one next time. But I'm going <laughs> to use the record like, very well. But uh, for, for, but for this venture, I'm going to listen to the, the school with the Polaroids or something like that. I, one thing. Um, so um, Kyle mentioned the song error earlier, and I thought that was an interesting one because um, you know, this person's like talking about, how much it hurts to breathe basically. And I took that to mean sort of like when you're going through, like I kind of thought it was about depression a little bit, you know, where you see those people around you doing something that's so basic and you're like, how are you possibly doing that? It hurts. You know, like, how are you like, don't you realize how Mm -hmm. terrible this is? And like, you're kind of stuck in your own mind and you're trying to, you feel right though. You know, does that make sense? Yeah. 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 Absolutely. That's, that's kind of how I feel about air. You know, it's like, like, that's how I feel in the summer. You know, like when I see those people like, summer's awesome. I'm having the best time. I'm like, wow, no, you guys, summer sucks. You can't <laughs> this is bad. Wait for winter. That's awesome. So, yeah, I find air relatable in a way that I was kind of surprised. Sean, I, yeah, I agree with you. I brought this up last week when we were talking about uh, the B-52s uh, Dance This Mess Around, which is like, I mean, are you, are you familiar with that song? Mm-hmm. Yeah. How, like... If you listen to the whole thing, you know, you kind of get what it's about and it's fine. But vocal performance and the way she's uh, she screams, like, why won't you dance with me? Like, I remember listening to that song when I was kind of bummed and feeling rejected. And it's very cathartic. Yeah. Um, and you can, you know, just kind of take, you know, if you listen to air and you feel that way, like, that's valid. Like, um, it can definitely read like that. Sorry, I'm just still stuck on the B-52s again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, Kyle, as long as we're on B-52s, I don't know if we talked about this last week when we were recording. Dance this mess around. It wasn't until last week that I put together like the, the pun of I'm not no Limburger. A limber I'm girl. just a limber girl. Really, dude? <laughs> dude, I, that, it, went over, it, it went over my head for decades. <laughs> oh, wait, and while we're talking about B-52s, and Birch, obviously, you can cut this out because it's not relevant to now, but if you guys haven't seen the Athens Inside Out documentary, I highly, highly recommend it. Oh, yeah, with uh, R.E.M., yeah. Yeah, and Flat Duo Jets. And Great. Pylon, it's fantastic. Don't tell and me what to cut out. I'll cut what I feel I should cut. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm, just, I'm trying That's to waste right. your time with my... Hey, documentary recommendations about irrelevant stuff to this podcast. <laughs> if you're causing him to edit, you're doing the opposite of wasting yeah. of not wasting his time. That's fair. Birch records everything. <laughs> Inside out of time. <laughs> yeah. This is a, this is a tight yeah. 40 minute album too. Yeah, it it's, is. Oh yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. See, whereas like with the, with the fall that we listened to last week, it was 38 minutes, but it did not feel like a tight 40. <laughs> it felt like a loose 100. It didn't move my butt the same way that this. Uh, yes. A loose 100 will move your butt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's some good health advice, Rob. <laughs> yeah. That, that, you can leave that one in, Birch. Um, <laughs> if they want to. If they want to.
but ultimately guys i don't know if well this is like the fifth time i've listened to this record now so i i don't know if it like beats out remain in light um but remain in light is hella good this album's fucking awesome like they're Same both really like speaking in really tongue awesome. point I don't think that we need to pit the Talking Heads records against each other because they are fairly diverse. They're a band with a very like specific sound, and they like they the, came out back to back to back to back. Talking Heads, Hunger Games. Yeah. <laughs> Hunger Games. What? This is our podcast, Talking Heads. Talking Heads, Hunger Games. Oh, man. So we do need to pit them against each other, unfortunately. Well, I'm gonna die. Yeah. <laughs> it is kind of amazing that they came out with one album a year. Just consistently, we have one album this year, and it. I mean. As far as I'm concerned, they're good. I have what? a theory. I think sure. it's because they're art students. They're yeah. used to working oh, on a schedule and like yeah. creating a product very well in a in a way that I feel like you can maybe only get from art school. Like, yeah, you have to have it ready in time for the critique. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> semester and critique. Yeah, yeah. this is their critique. We're holding them to the fire. Rob, <laughs> remember we went Kyle. to art school? Yeah. Well, yeah, kind of. <laughs> You went to art school. <laughs> I, I I dropped out of art school. I wasn't able to get into art school with you. I had a, a uh, 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. watercolor class on Saturday morning that I never went to because it was on Saturday morning. So you That's went to art school. a long watercolor class. It fucking sucked. Six hours man. of watercoloring? It sucked. If it's only I once a week. Yeah, and I had to drive down to fucking IEPUI. Fuck that. I had a how, job. How I, failed it. I failed it. And I never went back to college. What was your medium, Kyle? <laughs> <laughs> well, it was uh, freshman year of Heron was all doing foundation courses. Mm, so, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> jewelry cat, three D jewelry casting, etching. You ever do any uh, 3D jewelry casting? It's wild. I mean, we're talking about art school because we're talking about the talking heads, right? No, we're just talking about art school now. So, <laughs> so. Uh, this is their third record, right? Yeah. Um, Brian goes, he's back back at it. Um, but I, I feel like this record, from what I've read, this record, um, they kind of wrote it more with Brian Eno than the first two records, which is kind of him taking the songs that they'd already written and kind of doing his little Eno thing. Um, from what I read, that, that everybody in the Talking Heads, except for David Byrne, was like, let's jam. And David Byrne's like, I don't want to. So they like called up Brian Eno he's like, oh, you guys are jamming? I'll come over. And then they call David Byrne back. And he's like, oh, Brian, you know it's going to be there. So, like, there's already discord. Like, there's animosity in the band because, like, the band's getting together jamming. And they're like, okay, you know, David Byrne's like, we'll use this. You know, I'll add some lyrics. We'll use your music. And then the album gets printed and it says, like, lyrics and music by David Byrne and, like, nothing else. It shouldn't say that. (laughs) (laughs) No, there's just, I, I think it feeds into this. That's the only reason I bring it up. I'm not trying to be like the guy. He may have written all the lyrics, but he did not write all this music. He's not writing Tina's bass lines. He's not writing like the, the Brian Eno parts. You know, the, no, like, not. I also, think, you know, how great Tina yeah. is. I mean, like, her bass parts are so amazing. They're astonishing. Tina, like, Tina's crucial. Yes. Yeah. And forever. I, I engage with Talking Head fandom. Um, throughout the years, and a lot of people blame Tina for the hurt, but misogynist man. Mm-hmm. No, David Burns just hard to work with. He is. Yeah, yeah, that is. Yeah, yeah. hey, don't blame. Like, if you blame anyone, blame 
I believe I bet I bet David Byrne would blame David Byrne. Yeah, like absolutely. Don't, don't blame Tina. He's pretty transparent about who he is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's <laughs> difficult. People. I mean, I think David Byrne's a very difficult person, but he's probably self-admitted that he knows he's a difficult person. I read that during Stop Making Sense, the, the during like the pre-production of Stop Making Sense. Apparently, David Byrne, you know, he, he he was a perfectionist on it, and and it shows when you watch the final product. But apparently, he was self-aware enough how much he rubbed everyone the wrong way during that whole build-up to that live show. That I think every member of the 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 band, the extended band and crew, I think he wrote everyone like an apology letter, like a personalized one. Just <laughs> like, yeah. hey, I'm sorry. This was like I I I, I know that this was really hard to do, but like it happened, you know, and like, thank you. <laughs> What's yeah. really interesting about that is, um, I think, like I just said, when I was talking about Brian, Eno being more of a influence on the band on this third record, they wrote these songs with them in the studio. And then when they went to play as a four piece, they couldn't play these songs. They couldn't do it. Um, and I think that's what led them to bringing on like additional stage musicians, like for stop making sense. Um, because I mean, you listen to this, and there's so much going on. You go to a club to see a four piece play these songs, like a uh, four piece pl- play Zimbra. Yeah, yeah, no. exactly. Yeah, you can, you can. yeah, without Gene Wilder, forget it. Without Gene Wilder, <laughs> um, I heard that Uncredited. this was recorded in their apartment, and they had like a some kind of there was some company that had like a chin unit, and they would just like park the van outside the apartment and run all the cables through the window. That's correct. Uh, it was recorded yeah. at Chris and Tina's loft, oh. and it was uh, uh, the record plant yeah. had a mobile van yeah. with a, with a soundboard in it. Uh-huh. And yeah, yeah, they just parked it out front and ran, ran it all through a window. That's awesome. Oh, yeah. I feel like right now that business would boom. Yeah, you're right. Whatever happened to the old Rolling Stones mobile recording studio? Is that still bouncing around the the foggy island? Yeah, let's make that happen. <laughs> For, get them all forget yeah. this. Let's get some recording at home. <laughs> Uh, Fair Music, Certified Gold, RIA, um, September 17th, 1985, more than 500,000 copies. So it was, it did pretty well, probably better than their earlier ones, but, um, I don't know what the highest selling, uh, album is. This album, oh, it's gotta be, uh, Remain the Light. I, man, I would guess, I would get, my guess is speaking in tongues. Oh, that's that is kind of yeah, yeah maybe it's got burning down the house. It's got uh, yeah, once in a lifetime. It's I got all the big yeah. radio hits. You're wait, right. wait, Night Melody is on that one, right? Say what? Is yeah, yeah, Night, Night Melody. Uh, speaking, speaking in tongues is the album that they were touring when they recorded "Stop Making Sense." So, mm. yeah, a lot of the songs off "Fear of Music" are on "Stop Making Sense," but I think almost the entire "Speaking in Tongues" album is is in that set list. What oh. I walked down the aisle to the Talking Heads. Which song? Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Which song? It was um, "Love Arrow Building on Fire." Oh. Uh, Sean, our our wedding song was uh, uh, "This Must Be the Place." Naive melody. Nice. I love yeah. that. I'm divorced now, but the song still means a lot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't think we need to go around the room. Everybody on the positive. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Awesome. Uh, 
All right, great. Talking heads, more talking heads. We're going to have more talking heads. Uh, we fucking better. There's still more to cover. There's, yeah, some great albums to cover. Uh, next time we'll be talking about Joy Division Unknown Pleasures. All right, thanks, y'all. <laughs>